Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Thank you, Lord. God, I just thank you that Jesus, you are king. I thank you, Jesus, you are an ever-present help in time of need. God, I thank you that you see us, you hear us, you said that you are attentive to our cries. And I thank you for that. And God, I just ask that your words um, would come forth with your strength. And your, you said that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And I just thank you for your freedom. I just speak a blessing over every mother that's listening tonight or today, whatever time we're listening. And God, I just thank you for blessing them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, ladies, I want to say happy Mother's Day. I know uh, this year has been a very trying year for a lot of you moms. And those of you that have had to have, uh, where you're juggling your children and trying to do all the Zoom and trying to do your work from home, I applaud you. That's a lot of work. And I, my, what I want to do today is just to be able to come alongside and to encourage and to strengthen you and just to see God bless you. Um, one thing when I was growing up, my grandma, she never went to church, but she used to watch some of the old-time preachers on the TV. And I remember uh, this one time she really dealt with a really bad, uh, she had a headache for days. And we went over to visit her, and the thing she said to me, she says, I was healed. She said, they prayed, and they said, if any of you are sick, just to put your hand forward and and reach out to the TV and believe that God is, when we pray, that his prayers are going to touch you. And so she said, I did that, and my headache completely left. And I thought, praise the Lord. And so today, as you're watching on YouTube I'm, or on Facebook, I'm believing that you are also going to be able to receive from the strength and the power of God today. Amen? Amen. All right. Moms are a real special breed. In fact, let me pull it up. In Second uh, Samuel, this is this is what it says about because you know when you think of moms, um, the reason why we have such a passion of being a mother is because our most precious, valued treasure is our children on the earth and what love will do and what it will put up with and what it will endure like in Corinthians it says love never fails and in Second uh, Samuel 17 it says you know your father and his men he's talking about the mighty warriors he says they are mighty warriors and right now they are as an enraged as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs and I think sometimes as moms, that's what we get like. We get ferocious like a mother bear with our children. And it's like, God, whatever it takes, God, this is my children. This is, God, you see them, and I want you to be able to minister to them, bring life to them, Lord Jesus. 
And in 1 Corinthians 17, we're going to start it. Because every year, I like to pick a mom in the Bible that we can talk about and encourage. And so as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this for a while now, but it was like, God, who would you like to showcase this year? And he brought out three widows to me. And so we're going to look at these three different widows because there's a message that comes across really loud and clear with all of them that we can draw from. Okay, so in 1 Kings 17, we'll start there. I'm going to read it from my phone just because I can see it a little better. So it'll take me a moment to find them. Now, this is talking about when Elijah, there was, he prayed, and there was no rain, and it was like for three and a half years, and there was no rain, and it was like a famine that came to the land, and God was feeding Elijah with the ravens. They brought him food every day, and he was drinking from a brook. Well, after a while, that brook dried up. And then this is where we're going to step in. And it says, then in verse um, 8, it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, and bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. <laughs> There's a lot in there. Do you know in Luke 4, Jesus actually used this widow as an example because she was actually a foreigner. You know, over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New, God said, take care of the orphans and the widows. And, and Timothy even says, this is pure religion, is that to take care of orphans and widows. And, you know... Even they were um, admonished that uh, your children, when they got to be older, that they were to bring their uh, moms in if they were a widow and take care of them. They weren't supposed to be a burden on society. So these moms, these widows that we're talking about, actually have children that are young enough that they're still dependents, that they are still in the house with the mom, and now the mom is left grieving without a husband and she's trying to take care of herself and her son and we look at this and and jesus he even said like she's a foreigner he said there was many needy was there not many needy widows in israel at the time but god sent elijah to zarephath and to go to a, a foreign widow even at that i love this part because, you know, I, I love the part where it says that God, it says that he instructed him to go find the widow there, and he, and he was to live there with her. So God already had a plan. 
Now, in the backdrop, God's plan is, okay, there's a widow here, and I've got my finger on her, and she's going to provide for you in this time. I'm not going to have the ravens and the water flowing anymore. I'm going to have this widow take care of you. Now, if it was me and I was thinking, Elijah, I would be thinking, okay, he's going to send me to this rich widow who's going to have this nice house, and she's going to have lots. But instead, it says that when he gets there, he finds her picking up sticks, and she says, I've only got a little bit of flour left. I've only got a little bit of oil left in my jar. We're going, I, I only got enough to make a little bread, and my son and I, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Like, this is it. This is all I got is my last meal. That is a desperate situation. And I want us to look at times of desperation. You know, this widow, she didn't bring the famine on. This wasn't because of her own doing that there was no food or no water. Or I'm sure the economic times in that season would have been horrendous. So it's, it's not even a, a fault of her own of why she was in this desperate spot. But I love what, God, what happens when a super, the supernatural God we serve steps in. And I want to build our faith today to see that as we allow and, and understand that we're not just serving a God that we stick in our pocket who kind of makes me feel okay. He's... The supernatural almighty God who, when he steps into our situations, brings supernatural results. Isn't that wonderful? I, I find that really exciting for me to know that even in a desperate time, when I don't have the answer, when I don't have the resources, when I am depleted of my strength, that I have the supernatural, the almighty God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who loves and cares for me, that he cared so much for me that he sent his own son to die for me and to save me, that he gave me every, all the riches of heaven, that he is on my side, that he is with me, and that I can expect to see a supernatural result. So then it says here, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So God's giving her a promise. Look at, I want you to go ahead. Don't be afraid. And I believe God's saying to us this year, it's time, don't be afraid. Don't be looking at everything that's going on right now. All the uncertainties, all the limitations, all of the lack. Don't be afraid. But go ahead and let's step into the word that God has for us. Let's step into his promise that he says over us. And what he said to her was, he said, look at, go Go ahead, don't be afraid, 
and create. I want you to make that little bread that you said you had. But I want you to give me a little piece of that first. And I'm going to give you a promise. And my promise is that out of that very act, you are going to have your, your bread, your flour and your oil will never run out until the rain and the crops start coming. And you know what? God kept his word. God kept his promise, and he keeps his promises to us. We can take heart in, in knowing that God's word is God's word, that his yes is his yes. And it says, so she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. And there are going to be times of testing in our own lives that is like, God, I, have, I can only trust in what your word says. And as I step into that and trust you, God, with my life, we're going to say, oh, look it. There are so many times in my life now, I, I've served God since I was seven years old, and there are a lot of hard situations I've come in and out of in the course of time. And I would think, how am I ever going to get out of that, God? How am I ever going to be able to see, see what you... But he promised. And you know, I look back at it now, and it's like, yeah, you were faithful, and you kept your promise. You were faithful, and you kept your promise. You were faithful, and you kept your promise, God. So many times I was weak, or I was faithless. But God, you remained faithful. You never quit on me. You never gave up. And when you promised me something, you fulfilled it. Even if it was a way I didn't think it would happen, you still did it above and beyond what I could imagine. That's who our God is. But then it doesn't end there for this widow. Look at what happens next. It says, sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, O oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? See, her perspective was, oh, like, it, it, must be, it must be what I'm doing wrong. It must be my sin. It must, it must be what I'm doing. And, you know, we, we think that that's an Old Testament thing, but I'm I know in my own life, and I've heard many believers even at times think if something's not going where they can understand it or, or see, it's always like, well, what am I not doing? And we always take it from a position of I'm, I'm never doing enough instead of knowing that I can come boldly to the throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. And that's where we can get our help. And, and it's not trying to hide ourselves or pull back or thinking that God's wanting our demise. He's actually wanting to give us something. And then it says here, but Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms. He carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, 
Please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. And the life of the child returned and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. You know, sometimes, sometimes we think, we, oh, I just, I don't have enough faith. I, I don't know. I, I question things sometimes. This widow was in that spot. And yet God still was able to bring her to a place to fully know that she was hearing the voice of the Lord and that she could trust him. And God wants us to trust him with our lives too because he's a good God. God's a good God. And he takes good care of his good care of his people. And we need to remind ourselves of these things. These aren't new things that I'm sharing today, but they're just things for us to be reminded of. I want us to turn to Kings, chapter 5. This is another widow. Now, this is Elisha, or Elijah's, who was, he was actually Elijah's um, predecessor. No, what, what is the word I'm looking for? He was the one that came after. He, he served alongside with Elijah. And then when Elijah died, Elisha ended up with the double mantle of Elijah. It says in verse 1, 2 Kings 4, One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out. Uh, you know, I love these words because when it says cried out and stuff, I'm a little bit more of an animated type of person. I always wanted to be the quiet one that came into the room. And I always admire those people that, uh, those women that come in and, and they're so meek and calm and quiet and beautiful and then I see me and I'm not that I'm kind of like loud and I try I try to to not be but that's not who I am and so I, I love this widow because <laughs> I think I can kind of relate to her I love the way she comes in she says it says one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah, and this is what she did. She cried out. She didn't come out and just kind of nicely say, oh, oh, man of God, could you please let me have your attention for a moment? No. She probably, this is probably how she did it, because this is probably how I could see myself doing it. If I was feeling are coming to and they're threatening to take my guns away from me. I love she was the one that came and she out at my house 
he will go from you word for word, so you're not just thinking I'm making this. It says, one day, the widow of a member of the group of Elijah and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. She is You know, a lot of it's like, God, your word promised me this, and this is what I'm seeing, but God, this is where it's at. Now, now, what's happening here? I need to see you, God, in this area. And so this is what she's doing. She's coming to him. She says, you know my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. You know, back then, that was a common occurrence. I think it was like a third of the people in that time were bond servants or slaves. If you couldn't pay your debt, they would take your children or they would take you or whoever in your household as slaves, and you would have to work to pay that off. So this was a... This was a a very valid fear. It's like, my husband was God-fearing. He served you. Like, what is going on here? Now I'm going to not just lose my husband, to now my children, my, my children are going to go. And then it says here, her two sons as slaves. I can relate. I have, I have three sons. Uh, and I'd be... I'd be I'd be knocking on a few doors, too, to try and see what could be done. Because you know what? She knew that she had nothing in her power to be able to change. Nothing in her power to be able to change the situation. There was no way she was going to be able to come up with the finances that was needed to be able to meet the need. And, you know, I, I look at some of the situations that we're facing now. And some of these situations, just like this widow, she was put in a position that she didn't ask for. She, she was in grief. I mean, her husband just died. And now she had a debt that she couldn't pay, and she's going to lose her children. Sometimes the demand is there whether we're ready for it or not. Sometimes the demand and those things that are pulling at us are there whether we did everything right or not, whether it was our fault or whatever. But those demands are there and they have to be addressed because the creditor is coming. Then I love this response. It says, what can I do to help you, Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? And this is what she answers. Nothing at all. Except a flask of olive oil, she replied. You know, a lot of times when we look at what we have, it's so minuscule what we what we need i mean the demand she already knew how many 
dollars it was going to take to be able to pay those, that creditor so that her sons wouldn't be charged. But she knew, I have nothing left in this house except a small flask of oil. And that little flask is not going to pay that great big bill. And I look at, in my own life, there are things that I look at and the, the demand is far greater than what I even have. That if I tried to muster it up in my own strength or my own ability, I have nothing to give to be able to see the result I need. But it doesn't stay there. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and as she filled one after another, soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. I love this part. Because she had an action. And a lot of times we have an action that God gives us in the midst of our desperation. Her desperation, sometimes your desperation is shouting so loud at you the problem. And you're looking at what you don't have to be able to change it. But God wants us to get our eyes on what he is doing. Because when we invite the supernatural God into our situation, we can expect a supernatural result. If we don't invite him into our day-to-day -day moments, we can't expect that. But I love that it says that she did what she was told to do. So she took action to the very word that she was given. And so she went and she started collecting all these jars. She went and got her sons. Go knock on the neighbor's doors. Get as many jars as you can. Now, think about it. She probably started pouring it and it says, shut the door behind you. And she probably, okay, well, let's do this. And she started pouring it. I mean, think about it. What would that look like? I mean, I think it would be kind of cool. You got like a little bit. She probably didn't even have a full jar. It was a little bit. And then she starts pouring it and it keeps going. And then it keeps going. And it keeps going. And as it starts going, I'm sure she's, go get more jars. Go get more jars. Come on. And they're like, they're being filled right to the brim. And I love, love this part at the end. She says, bring me another jar. Like she was getting right into it. It's like, you know, she wasn't uh, being mousy about it in the receiving part. She was like going full-fledged into it and saying, okay, give me it. Let's get the jars. Let's get as many jars as we can. And in this time, this is what God spoke to for my heart, and that's why I want to encourage you with it. Because he said to me, it's time for you to collect jars. It's time for you to not look at what you don't have to be able to meet the demands and the desperate cries that you have right now. 
the desperate cries that you have over your family, the desperate cries that you have over your church, the desperate cries that you have over your city, the desperate cries that you have over this nation. What you have right now is not enough. I understand that. But I'm telling you to, to go and collect jars. How do I do that? I started praying about it. This is what God showed me. Every time there's an opportunity, you create a moment where God can come and fill. It's as simple as that. So when I get to get, well, you can't really get together with someone. When you need something in an area of finances, like, God, I give you this area. I'm asking you for your wisdom on how to deal with my finances. Where do you want me to give? What do you want me to do in this area? You're creating a container that he can now fill. When we're praying for our children, when we're ministering to our children, taking moments, it's not thinking that, well, because I can't do it all, that I'll do nothing. Because we get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed easily. I don't know about you, but I do. And gosh, let me just focus on getting the containers. Let me be the God that's supernatural and I will fill it. You just create the container for me to come and fill it with. So our prayers are like containers. When we have prayers of faith, they're containers for God to be able to come and fill. When we give him, surrender our wills, when we surrender, when we lift up our children to him, when we give our time, when we're praying over our time with them and our moments before we have them, that's creating a container. And I love that she was so tenacious. She's like, bring me another jar. Hezekiah, like he said, you know, he hit the ground only three times and then he quit. But this widow, she kept going jar after jar after jar. And I love the ending on this. It says, there aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. And when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. So not only did God come in and eliminate the debt, but he created enough there for that whole family to be able to live on. See, he's God. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. And he wants us to be able to draw on him. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can trust him. That, that same God that did these supernatural things in the past is the same God today that does those same supernatural things today in our lives, in our personal lives. And what we need is a desperate cry to just cry out and to be able to receive and to take that. Amen? Then let's turn to Luke 7. This is in the New Testament now. See, God had a real... He had, it, I love this in verse 
in, in Luke 7 because it shows you the heart of God. This is with Jesus. In verse 11, it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. And a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. And this is what he says to her. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. But I love this part, is that this was her only son. She was a widow, and it was her only son. And, and not only was it her only son... He was dead. <laughs> like, he, he wasn't even like, we're going to be sold to slavery. Now, this one, he's dead. And Jesus, he didn't say, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it now. It's too late. You know, he didn't go, oh, well, that's her problem. Come on, we got bigger things to do. He didn't even look at her and, and go, well... You should have seen it coming. No. It says his heart overflowed with compassion. And he said, don't cry. And then the life of God just came into that situation and totally changed it. That's what God wants to, us to remember in our situations. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm not this or I'm not that. So, you know... My situation is not as desperate as that, so I don't think God really hears me. No, he does. And he so wants you to know that he is a God who has, an, his heart is overflowing with compassion. His heart is overflowed with compassion for you and I. That when he sees us, he sees that pain, and he wants to minister to that. He wants to bring his love into that situation. You know, a lot of times we think of moms, we think of love, and we think of, you know, nurturing and all of that, but, but that's only a part of who God is because that's who he is. He, he is love. He is full of compassion. His heart overflows in this area for us. So what is it that you have to that you want God to minister to and to receive. Because I believe he wants to minister to your heart today. He wants to come into those areas that you say, this is a desperate cry on the inside that I do not have enough in my own house to be able to bring the change that is needed. But God, I can expect 
a supernatural result from you. It's him that does it. Let's turn to Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, if you read that chapter, that's called the faith chapter. And it's all the different things where people believe God and, and how God answered. And it stirs your faith. And I, I just pray that this will stir your faith today too. And in verse 33, it says, By faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. This is the part I love. It says, their weakness was turned to strength. And they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. As you and me. This is the company of believers you and I are in. That our weakness, those very things, because if you look at that, you look at Moses, you look at Gideon, you look at Abraham, you look at all those men and women that that was being talked about in that whole chapter of Hebrews 11, that, that came out of a desperate cry. That came out of a situation that they weren't content with what they had, that it wasn't enough, that they needed a God to come into that situation and to bring the change that was needed, but that they were weak in themselves and they couldn't do it on their own. And they recognized that. But God was able to take that weakness, it says, and it turned it to strength. And they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. You know, in Psalms it says that, my, that he trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. God is training us. He's causing those weak areas to become strong. It says that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Then it says, women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. See, this is where we put our hope in, is in him. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And he is more than enough. He is an ever-present help in time of need for you and I. Moms, we need him. We need him. We need him so much. I, I'm sure you, I remember so many times raising the boys when they were at home, just feeling like you'd go to bed just feeling like, oh, boy, I just blew it today. Like, and you prayed so much for them. It's like, God... And, and even as they become older, I, I'm telling you, it doesn't, the small people have small problems and big people have big problems. So you're, you're always praying. You're always in a place of needing God to step in. And isn't that the place he wants us anyway, to be totally dependent on him? 
In James, it says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And it says that Elijah was a man just like us. So the way that Elijah prayed for the widow, the way that he prayed and stopped the rain and then called it back, like that, it, he's a man just like you and I. That's why prayer is so important. That's why talking to God is so important because it allows God to come into our and fill our containers. And I have a lot of containers that I'm gathering because I want him to fill. I want him to fill in those areas. One closing thing that I have. You know, we, we talk about... Um, in, in Deuteronomy 8, there's something valuable. I was looking at this with the, you know, we talk about the Israelites with the promised land. And, you know, um, it says, you know, I'm going to give you the, in Numbers they said, well, if only we had died, you know, why would you bring us out to the wilderness to leave us here, like, I don't see any pomegranates, there's no fig tree, there's no wine, there's no olive oil, there's not even water out here. But God promised to lead them to the promised land. He said that land would be flowing. And guess what? He did. He did fulfill that promise. But this is what it says in in Deuteronomy, verse 7, it says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water, with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as it's important that we are continually praising him. It says in the New Testament that we, our hearts become cold and we become thankless. And my goal is that in these times, all the days of my life, that I become a person that is very thankful to him, very thankful to what my God has done for me and who he is. Is that we, because out of a thankful place, it's hard to be able to be negative. And it says, and you know, when we're thankful, our faith is easy to build that and to cause our faith to rise. It says, but that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with his poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. Look at 
There are times in our life where it feels like we're going through that dreadful wilderness. But in those times, God's saying, look it, it was great and it was terrifying. It was hot, it was dry. But this is what you learned and did through that time. I gave you water from the rock. It says, he fed you with manna in the wilderness. Bread from heaven was delivered to them daily. A food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. It's so important that we do not live life, and in, in Canada, we can be guilty of this, that we take pride in feeling that we've achieved much. We've achieved our wealth with our own strength and our own energy. And it's putting our focus and our eyes on him and knowing that even in, remind yourself of those wilderness times in your own life that you've gone through and there are some things where you see the hand of God in those times that you can only see in those times. When you have great need, when there's a great desperation, when you see God move in that, you know it's not your own strength. It's not your own energy even. I love that part. It's not even your own energy or your own power to be able to do it. There are some times in my life I have felt so stripped of my own strength and weak energy, I have felt like, God, I can't even stand without your presence. I need your power to even be able to get up off the floor to carry on this day. And yet here I am, still declaring the faithfulness of my God, still declaring his goodness, still declaring his love. I pray that all of us feel that. I, I'm encouraging myself in that. And then he says here, Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Remember, it's God. God, I just thank you. I thank you for your presence. God, we just come to you. I just, God, those areas where we're desperate, you see everyone right now, God. You see the desperate cry. God, you hear it. You're attentive to those cries, Lord God. No one else may see it, but you see it. You said that you are attentive to our cries, that you hear us. You said that you hear us even before we cry out. God, I thank you that your heart is overflowed with compassion. And I thank you that we're not limited to just what we have. That it's not just even what I have in my house. It's not just my own weakness that I can expect to see things change. But when I come to you, the living God, you are well able. 
I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you that you are well able. And we ask for your supernatural power to flow in those areas. I just want you to put your hand on your heart. And those things that have been in your heart, that desperate cry, that gnawing that you can't even barely express because it hurts so much. Moms, I want you to be able to give that to God. Know that it matters to him, that he sees it, that he has a heart of compassion towards you and towards that very thing that hurts. And did you notice that in those widows, that most of the time, those deep, desperate cries were because of their children? So God, I ask that you would minister to those areas. God, those concerns, those heart cries that we have for our kids, God, I ask that you would just minister to them, Lord God. God, we commit our children to you. And I ask that they would grow to know you and to love you. God, we love our children with everything in us, but we know you love them more. And I thank you that you love us and that you hear those desperate cries. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would minister first your comfort, that you would minister your peace, She would bring healing, Lord God, where healing's needed. But God, we just invite you into that scenario to bring your supernatural power. God, you, you don't come into a situation limited. You come in as a king. You come in as God Almighty. You come in as the healer. You come in as the lover. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And just like those widows, they acted on your word and they expected an outcome. That they couldn't produce. But you did. And I thank you for your faithfulness, God. I thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. Bless the mums, Lord God. Fill them this day. We need your power. God, those areas where there's weakness in our lives, I'm asking for your strength. That not only will we, have, will we be strengthened, but that we'll be able to come and destroy uh, armies. I thank you for that, Jesus. Amen. Well, I love you ladies and know that you're like that mama bear. But even the mighty warriors were referred to as that.
We are strong because our God is strong. And I just want to say I love you very much. I'm praying for you. I'm standing with you. Continue to pray for me. And we'll see what God does. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.